We've always perceived ourselves as people of freedom. Freedom of equality. Of human decency. Of the right to live without fear. These freedoms have been given to us by many who sacrificed greatly. And somehow, we've believed that the war has been won. That we have arrived. But if we open our eyes, we can see that the dream has not yet been fully realized. That there are still battles to fight. Still inequalities present. Still, souls suffering. That our faith demands more than awareness, and that no generation is exempt from these battles. But we are held responsible to stand, to do justly, to love mercy, and to serve the least of these. Well, good morning, GBBC and friends. It is my honor to welcome you to our Sunday virtual worship. Uh, the atmosphere has been set by the praise team. We've had a little time of scripture and prayer. And listen, I want to just draw your attention to the word of God. We have found ourselves uh, in yet another week of social unrest and, and everything connected to that. Uh, with another untimely shooting, and, and we don't want to get into all the details of that, but I want to uh, preach to uh, where the Lord led me to preach on today. Uh, we had been dealing with the gospel on the, this last week, and I simply want to roll that into today's message. Uh, I want to preach from the subject of Jesus and justice, Jesus and justice. If you'd make your way to the book of Matthew chapter 23, Matthew 23, I'm going to read one verse maybe two in Matthew chapter 23. I want to give you time to find it. Come on, let's settle in. Let's settle into the word and let's see what the Lord is going to speak to us on today. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Here is the word of the Lord. And this is Jesus speaking. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You pay a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin. And yet you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These things should have been done without neglecting the others. These things should have been done without neglecting the others. You all can always tell when I'm kind of full. I don't have a big idea, but I do have a topic once again. It is Jesus and justice. Our faith has reached a significant crossroad. Do we stand with those who feel injustice is real? Or do we remain in our houses of faith praying for a peaceful resolution? Do we speak out biblically and accurately about God's commitment to justice? Or do we speak solely about personal responsibility, intimating 
that those who protest, riot, loot are just hoodlums and thugs looking for a handout. Is it even important to understand why protesters protest? Or will their message continue to be systematically destroyed by Twitter bots and media pundits? What about the inherent dignity of man? Does that only apply to a certain segment of society? Does the dignity of man transfer from the womb to the tomb? As a pastor, I never feel like I do enough for the cause. Not because I lack empathy or identity with the cause, but because I know my potential for losing control. In losing myself in this eternal fight for justice. Yes, it is an eternal fight because it has always existed and very likely it always will. I've protested and prayed. I've organized with grassroots movements. I've met with white pastors and preached in white churches to promote reconciliation. I've given my signature to proposals for change. I've attended conferences, spoke at press conferences to bring attention to injustice. I've discussed, I've debated, I've argued, and I've prayed some more. And I do these things as a believer. Because I know that the God of the scriptures loves justice. I know that the gospel of Jesus Christ transforms lives to impact culture. Yes, our salvation is personal, but it's not to remain private. Oh God, I'm going to say that one more time. Our salvation is personal, but it is not to remain private. I know we are not saved by our works of justice. Justice is an outworking of our salvation. The cross is both vertical and horizontal. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Beloved, you cannot read your Bible without stumbling over justice. Again, I say our faith has reached a significant crossroad. As we've been dealing with the gospel over this last week, I was led to ask the question, what would Jesus do? <laughs> yeah, that question. But, but lest I come off as a prophet for profit, I'll ask a different question. What did Jesus do? Even more specifically, what did he say? Many today preach a truncated gospel, divorcing Jesus from justice, somehow suggesting that justice will only be addressed in heaven. When Jesus himself declared that Isaiah's words were fulfilled in him as he read about preaching the good news to the poor, release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, freedom from the oppressed. Beloved, how do we advocate for justice? How do we advocate for justice when injustice has never been fully acknowledged? How is it that injustice uh, can be claimed, owned, and experienced by some, but all too often black folks have to justify their unjust experiences? Why is it that issues of race and culture, which are replete throughout scripture, but when a black preacher speaks about it, he's race baiting? 
I need a witness up in here. So it's with these inconsistencies throughout our pulpits today that I humbly address what Jesus addressed. Jesus opens Matthew chapter 23, the chapter on woes, with a stern warning for the crowds and his disciples. Here's the first movement. Jesus says, identify the hypocrisy. Identify the hypocrisy. Verse 3 says, therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it. But don't do what they do because they don't practice what they teach. Oh, God, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this already. See, these scribes and Pharisees, uh, uh, representatives of leadership and of religion, were inconsistent in their faith and practice. They knew the word but chose to pick and choose what parts of the word they applied. Jesus pulled no punches. He called them hypocrites. This is what he said. So when as teachers and proclaimers, when they withhold truth or misuse their position to protect their position, all of us are then missing the mark. And please note that I know many will say I'm doing the same thing with my sermon as I opened and I said we are at a crossroad. See, Jesus knew that there was a danger in trying to protect as opposed to trying to minister. Y'all help me, help me and pray with your pastor. He knew that there was a danger in trying to protect as opposed to trying to minister. See, there are inherent risks in trying to minister, which is why we typically err on the side of protection. See, I've got to be open to effectively minister to others, to identify with them, to understand them. But if my primary goal is to protect, I'll keep people, issues, causes, complaints, and everything else at bay. This inconsistency leads to hypocrisy, says Jesus Christ. Knowing what Scripture commands but choosing to pass away the full meaning to protect my own interests. Not only identify the hypocrisy, second, Jesus says, ignore their ego. Look at verse 5. He says, they do everything to be seen by others. They enlarge their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. Phylacteries, this is small boxes that held four passages of Old Testament scripture. They placed them literally on their person to denote deity and piety. Not deity, but piety. Then the tassels that they wore, everyone wore tassels, but the longer the tassel, the more pious or religious. Oh, God. See, I've discovered that the loudest voices rarely have the most accurate information. These religious leaders, these church folk were concerned with being seen while expanding their egos. Their concern was image over impact, identity over influence. Identify their hypocrisy. Ignore their ego. But then thirdly, Jesus says, imitate the Christ. 
Jesus is saying, watch out for them, but watch him. I need you to catch that. He's saying, watch out for them, but watch him, meaning Jesus. Look at verse 11. The greatest among you will be your servant, says Jesus. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. As Jesus speaks to the crowd and the disciples, he challenges them to never buck for attention. Never buck for status or for acclaim. Instead, he challenged them to follow him, his model, his actions. He challenged them to be servants of others, to meet the needs of their fellow man, to be known for humility and not for self-elevation, to be like Christ. Greatness awaits those who are willing to serve while waiting. Oh, I'm going to say that one more time. Greatness awaits those who are willing to serve while waiting. Beloved, what would our church, community, nation look like if we authentically embraced a servant spirit? If we sought the best good of our neighbors, regardless of their background, if we saw value in every human being, if we didn't think so highly of ourselves and willingly looked out for the looked over. Ah, but the text is moving. Jesus continues this address by now speaking directly to the Pharisees and the scribes. He speaks to them with woes. And please note, a woe from Jesus ain't good. Now, I won't be able to address all seven woes, so I challenge you in faith to read the entire chapter of Matthew 23 today. But our motto text deals with Jesus' position on justice. Jesus' expectations for us. Look at verse 23, if you will. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You pay a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin, and yet you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These things should have been done without neglecting the others. Blind guide, says Jesus. You strain out a gnat but gulp down a camel. See, in addressing their treatment of the law of Moses, Jesus knows stuff that no one else knows, namely the hypocrisy in the hearts of man. These scribes and Pharisees were playing three-card monte with the word of God, a covert operation of smoke and mirrors, Waving one hand, revealing sacrifices and offerings while concealing the other hand, withholding love and compassion. And Jesus says, whoa, they never missed a Sabbath. They never failed to gather for daily prayer. They never neglected the temple mandates, but they walked over the poor and destitute on their way to worship. Pay a tenth. You pay a tenth of mint, dill, and 
acumen. See, they scored the easy buckets, the free throws. They scored where there was no challenges, no, no opposition. Now, I ain't got no point of principle, just another question. Could we be guilty, church, of scoring easy buckets? Throwing a couple of dollars to the mission budget. Hosting an occasional mission trip to a foreign country. Restocking and distributing food pantries. Jesus and justice require those ministries and also the more heavier, weightier issues. And those, beloved, require compassion. Compassion means to suffer with or to walk alongside someone by empathizing with their needs and experience. The church is clearly called to be compassionate to those around us. Christ was the example of compassion as he took our pain and the consequences of our sin completely on himself. End quote. It requires getting involved and identifying systems. Yep, I said it. Systems that unfavorably affect other people. Yes, it's easier to believe that poor people are just lazy and shiftless rather than examine historical tendencies that exclude and limit people's potential. I know full well that choices lead to consequences which determine the quality of one's life. And I also know that some folks have crappy choices from the get-go, a.k.a. systems. Jesus and justice require heavy lifting. As a matter of fact, that's the big idea. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesus and justice require Heavy lifting. Look at what Jesus says. You have neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These things should have been done without neglecting the others. My heart breaks as I watch pundits and politicians preach about the absence of injustice. And I just wonder, when did injustice get fixed? Jesus even helps me with this. See, these Pharisees and scribes were the leaders of their day. They focused upon what they deemed significant. Here's my point. Hmm. How can the very ones who have benefited, yea, participated in oppression, mistakenly believe that they have the right to define justice. Oh, God, I'm going to say that one more time because I think you missed it. How can the very ones who have benefited, yea, participated in oppression, mistakenly believe that they have the right to define justice? Jesus was drawing their attention to weightier matters. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. Now, beloved, I know I'm walking heavy. I know this is some weighty stuff. But continue to press with me as we move forward in the message. 
Justice is solution-oriented. Justice approaches people as a soul to empower, not as a charity to pity. Parenthetically, charity is not justice. Don't just give people fish, but teach them how to fish and then grant them access to the lake. Y'all, we're talking about heavy lifting. Mercy is going the extra mile. Mercy is never easy. Mercy costs. One of my go-to passages when I'm challenged to be merciful is 1 Peter 4, 8. Here's what it says. Above all, maintain constant love for one another. Since love covers a multitude of sins. Beloved, mercy moves us from critically judging to loving, from condemning to embracing, from withholding to releasing. Is there anybody in the house right now who, who every now and then you need a little more mercy? I told you a few weeks ago this cool thing that, that captures the essence of grace, justice, and mercy. Grace is getting what we do not deserve. Justice is getting what we do deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. Jesus and justice requires the heavy lifting of mercy, choosing to treat people in such a way that they don't even believe they deserve. I've held you too long. I've held you too long, but Jesus and justice requires finally the heavy lifting of faithfulness. Faithfulness. I believe there is unrest in our land because we have been unfaithful to address issues within the hearts of men. Although we can legislate some stuff, we cannot legislate love. Talking to the church now. We have been consistently inconsistent. In other words, unfaithful. If we were to overlay Micah 6 and 8 with the same verse, Matthew 23, 23, we could see the same things, justice, mercy, faithfulness. The doing of justice is an outpouring of loving faithfulness. In other words, faithfulness is following through. We believers are to be faithful to the Lord and to our fellow man. Faithful, meaning committed and dependable. And beloved, that requires a degree of unity that makes most of us uncomfortable. To which I painfully and humbly testify to the fact that as a man of color, as a man of faith, unity has been elusive to me. Why is it still so difficult 
to stand with our brothers and sisters who find themselves dehumanized by the status quo. We image bearers who simply seek justice. I ran across a story that captures the essence of both compassion and justice. Very familiar story. Many of you have probably heard it before. But a man went to the river one day and noticed that someone was drowning in the middle of it. He quickly swam out to save the drowning person. He brought the person to safety and attempted to catch his breath. A short while later, the man noticed another person drowning in the river. He mustered up all of his strength and dove, dove back into the river to save the second drowning victim. The second person was brought to safety on the shore. By this time, the man was exhausted and had a hard time breathing himself. And then several minutes later, as he looked up to his dismay, he noticed a third person floating down the river, crying for help. Once again, feeling he didn't have a choice, he dove into the water to save the third person. However, the man was so tired from having saved the first two victims that he was not able to continue swimming, and he drowned himself. The man's response to the drowning people was one of compassion. His efforts were based on his love for mankind and his desire to not see them suffer. And his efforts made a huge difference to the first two people. The rescuer was certainly a compassionate man. However, if the man had driven up the road along the bend in the river, he would have noticed that there was someone from the factory who was literally throwing people into the river. The abusive man was the source of the problem. If the compassionate man had intervened at the factory, then that would have been an act of justice. So when Jesus says to do justice, he is challenging those of us who follow him to find the root of certain issues, to do life with other individuals who don't look like us, to stop looking for the easy buckets, and to be willing to live life with justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we we thank you for the simple word. And Father, we pray in faith that you move upon all of our hearts. Father, I pray that you take this feeble presentation and breathe upon it. Lord, I'm asking in faith that, that this word would comfort the afflicted while afflicting the comfortable. I pray, Father, in faith that it would touch the hearts of our members and if need be, roll over to some other members and other faith communities. Father, we need you so much during this season. There is so much unrest. There is so much pain, so much 
frustration. Father, we pray right now that you be in the midst of the relations between the community and the police. Father, we pray right now that you would raise up effective leaders to be advocates for all communities. That everyone would be represented. That everyone would have a voice. Father, I pray for our houses of faith, those who have been erected and established for the glory of Jesus Christ. That we would understand our responsibility as Jesus has so eloquently declared. That we would address the weightier matters, the important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on and give God a hand of praise right where you are. Come on, come on. Just type an amen in your, in your comment section. Y'all may not have been typing too much today, but it's all good. <laughs> Hopefully you were able to. But come on, type some amens right in there. We want to just... Uh, allow the spirit to move upon our hearts. I want to challenge you, as I mentioned earlier, to go back and read uh, the entirety of Matthew chapter 23 and just look at all those woes and look at the challenges for the leaders of the, of, of, of the church at that time, the, uh, uh, those, those Pharisees and those scribes who kind of missed it. They missed Jesus and they missed, they missed a lot. And so we don't want to fall into that same, that same place. So uh, the church, we have a lot of work to do. Because as I mentioned several weeks ago, we got a lot of Pharisee in us. So we got to make sure we're constantly examining ourselves under the light of Scripture. With that being said, I want to give an individual or individuals an opportunity now to make a profession of faith. I mean, you're here, you're watching, and it, it may be that, that you've heard about this Jesus and something ignited within you. And you can say, man, I don't, I don't know Jesus. I don't understand all that he offers. Listen, uh, 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 there is a love that is available. And that love was demonstrated in the person of Jesus Christ. And he came from heaven to earth, sent by the Father, for the sole purpose of living and dying. And, and his death thereby paying a price. It was a sacrificial death. Jesus paid a debt that we were incapable of paying ourselves. And by his death, we then have access by faith to eternal life. And so if you've never received this gift that was made available through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, and you're like, Pastor Brown, I want to know more about Jesus. I want to know more about salvation. Just send us a text. Here is the number, 972-638-9554. It's on your screen. Shoot us a text. We, we sincerely and authentically want to share with you. You can also just share a prayer request. That's fine. But if you are wrestling with issues of faith, if you have questions about your eternal destiny, if you're saying, Lord, I, my life is just so incomplete and I need, I, I need more, allow us to serve you and support you. We not only share with you about Jesus, but we will share with you about our church. We'd love to have you become a part of our faith community, even virtually. So allow us to serve you. Send us a text so that we can minister. Let me go ahead and pray for you. Father, I lift up the man, woman, boy, girl who's watching now that you touch hearts and allow that touch, Lord God, to translate over into sending a text, sending a message. 
And Father, help us to be ready when the messages come that we would minister effectively and appropriately. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for this opportunity. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're waiting on you. We're waiting on you right now. No rush. Send us a text whenever you feel led. Know that we'll be eagerly waiting to respond. Wow. Wow. That's church, y'all. We're almost done. You know, we got one more big thing we got to do, and that is our offering. I want to applaud the members of GBBC for your faithfulness, and I pray that week to week you are being fed, you are being encouraged that, that your life has been made better because of the ministry of GBBC. And uh, I want to just, again, appreciatively applaud you for your consistency in sacrificial giving. This is an unusual place that we are right now. I'm standing in an empty sanctuary uh, preaching. And so everything has shifted, everything has changed. So I praise God for your consistency in your giving. And I want to challenge you now to give. You got four ways to give. You can go to the website, give, greaterdallas.org slash giving. You can text to give. All that's on the screen. You can, you can, you can call us. We come pick it up. Or you can just mail it into the church physical building. All right, let me bless this offering. Father, thank you for this privilege of giving. Help us to give freely, uh, generously, joyfully. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. It's time for the offering. Praise the Lord.